Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is hell. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hooks, and join us. I'm Amanda Zenzelo. I'm the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, hell. hell. We all know it pop culturally, but is it actually biblical? Not as we know it pop culturally. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> so where does it come from then? It's old. Let's specifically say what we're meaning by pop culturally, and then we'll redefine it in some ways. How's that? Okay. So I presume when you are talking about hell, yes, you're talking about a place where people go to be punished for being bad in mortal life yes. after they have died. That is the general understanding, and it's usually hot, Yep, and really bad things happen to you there. There you go. And thanks to Dante's Inferno, yes, we have lots of ideas about the circles of hell and all, all of seven of them. Of there we go. So that's from classic literature, not from scripture. Okay. Right? So what do we get from scripture then? Well, from the scripture, hell is referenced and an idea of a place where things are bad or there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, that exists within our scripture, absolutely. Okay. Right? As an afterlife thing or just as a thing? Not as an afterlife thing. Mm. Because we're getting into two things here. First, in the Hebrew scriptures, afterlife is not as North American Christians understand it. Okay. Because... They're sleeping until the second coming. Oh, yeah, no, that's not how we understand it. Right. And so there's not that kind of an afterlife where then you are assigned to a good place or a bad place or a medium place. So there's no heaven and hell. There's just sleep until the Messiah arrives. Huh. And so that's the Hebrew scripture side of it. Now, the Christian scripture, the Greek scripture portion we talk about you will be thrown out into Gehenna, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and the dogs bite. Gehenna was an actual place. Oh, the plot thickens. Right? So Gehenna was the dump yard. It was the city, city dump, dump oh, outside wow. of the walls of Jerusalem, where there were fires burning, because you're burning the trash. Sure. You know, a horrible place to be. But even in contemporary culture in developing countries in major metropolitan cities, where do the poorest of the poor live? Oh, yeah. They're not going to live in the downtown metro. They're living in the city dump. Oh, yes. I remember driving through the city dump outside of Managua in Nicaragua, and people had their homes there and were grazing their cattle in the city dump. Mm-hmm. And yes, the fires burned overnight. And yes, there were dogs running rabid through the area. I'm pretty sure there was some wailing and gnashing of teeth, too. I would guess as much. Mm -hmm. Not to mention biohazards and <laughs> all kinds of things mm -hmm. that were thrown out without medical processing waste and things like that. Right? The city dump is a dangerous place and a painful place and a place where the disenfranchised and those who are the most impoverished and the most outcast 
are oftentimes relegated to that place. And so the threats of do the right thing, be a part of society, or you will be cast out to the city dump. Mm-hmm. It's a significant threat. Well, and it's where it all starts, apparently. So we have this idea of hell and a coming judgment, and you will be thrown to a place like Gehenna, like this part outside the city walls. And then centuries pass, and eventually we get to our understanding of hell. It takes a strong right turn in the, in the Dark Ages. I'll say that much. As many things did, I'm sure. Okay, then, as a biblical concept, what do the Lutherans believe? What did Martin Luther have to say about this? Well, Martin Luther doesn't necessarily address it head on within the Book of Concord that I could find it easily. He may have spoken about it in various... Sidebar, Book of Concord is? Yes. Book of Concord is the theological book for Lutherans. So if we have a question about something, we can go to our scripture, see what the scripture says. Uh And then if we want to say, well, what do Lutherans think about that? Then we can go to the Book of Concord. That's where our small catechism is and our large catechism. And that's where the Augsburg Confession is and all of that kind of stuff. It's all in one volume called the Book of Concord. And it's our theological basis for how we understand theological concepts. Okay. So not the Bible upon which everything rests, Mm -hmm. but how are we going to understand this stuff according to not contemporary scholars, according to Martin Luther and his contemporaries. Okay. So these are the writings. Circa 1400 something. Precisely. So these are the writings of Luther and Melanchthon and the early church reformers. And it's their letter to the Pope and the back and forth thing with the Pope as to how it's different, that kind of stuff. Okay. If we haven't done a podcast on the Book of Concord, we could totally do one. Okay. I mean, it's not thoroughly intriguing to many people, but it is interesting. (laughs) We'll double check and we'll get on that. So according to the Book of Concord, I opened it up and, you know, looked up hell in the Book of Concord. The primary texts that it refers to are all regarding how Christ has destroyed hell. Okay. How Christ has descended to the dead and rose again. Now, we talk about this in one of the creeds. Correct. It's exactly where it's coming from. Is that the only place it is? Because I'm not remembering that in any of my other readings on Sunday morning. You're right. It's just in the creeds. And some of them say descended into hell. Some Mm -hmm. of them say descended to the dead. Right. Okay. And and they'll have like a little asterisk there. So Mm -hmm. you can choose which one you want to say. So if people don't want to curse in church, they can say descended to the dead instead of descended to hell. So what our Book of Concord says is that Christ destroyed hell. So we shouldn't even be worrying about it right now because it's (laughs) gone, right? (laughs) So here's the thing. North American Christianity loves hell. Oh, yeah. Just adores it. It's a fabulous threat for many things. And has been at least since the Dark Ages. Oh, yes. Right. And that it's a big deal. You can get a lot of money out of people. If you're looking to keep their eternal soul from eternal torture, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not just talking like indulgences to build the basilica. You can get people to give you a lot of money now in our mm-hmm. culture to earn their way out. It's a wonderful control device. 
It's an absolutely delightful control device and a wonderful way to turn religion and faith into a capitalistic gain. So how did we get from Jesus destroyed hell in the creed to where we are now, even as Lutherans? I think it comes by way of those dark ages. And I'm sure that there's a whole lot more detail and people who have studied this could go into a whole lot of detail on this. I don't have a lot of research behind this. What I can say is that in a time period when even theater had been, and I know this as much from my theater history classes, so theater had been banned Mm -hmm. from existing in Europe during the Dark Ages. And the only kind of theater that was allowed, remember, theater goes back before Christ. Mm -hmm. You've got your Greek tragedies and all of that, right? That's long before Christ. But then there was this time where it wasn't allowed, and... The only thing that was allowed by the church, because the church had so much control in Europe Mm -hmm. at that time, were passion plays or the everyman plays and the passion plays. So So you could show like the story of Christ dying, but you could also show there were these other plays that they would do in the streets that would show like an everyman confronted by death who would make the wrong choice and then demons would come and eat him, rah, 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 and he would burn in the pits of eternal fire. So morality plays, basically. Totally. It's exactly what it is. And so that is a fabulous way to control a population when those are the only public stories that you're telling now are these morality plays where people burn up if they fail. And then if you can't read the scripture for yourself... Either Mm -hmm. because you are illiterate or it's written in Latin or the Bible is chained to an altar that only a few priests can actually read. Uh Then those everyman morality plays become the story of the people and the story of the faith. And the idea that Jesus destroyed the power of death and the grave, the idea that Jesus broke open the gates of hell and freed us from that torture, that doesn't serve the purpose of controlling people. Not even remotely. No, it really doesn't. So a couple of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, because I have such a pitiful sense of time, someone can look it up and find out, but a theologian, a modern contemporary writer named Rob Bell. Okay. He's a big hip name. In 2007, 2008, he's still a significant name. Oprah knows him. Oh, my. Rob Bell, his first breakout book was called Velvet Elvis. Okay. And people loved him, and they just kind of went gaga over him. And then he had a book. What else? He did like one or two books in between and then started this little video series that was really cool. And he was totally on the rise. And huge church was going on and really popular. And then he publishes this book called Love Wins, where he talks about how hell doesn't exist and that he doesn't believe in hell. And the evangelical Christian base tore him apart. No way. Ripped his name. Screeching halt. Ostracized out of his church just absolutely slammed. Wow. And so this concept that hell doesn't 
necessarily exist theologically. There's very little to back it up if you delve into the theology of Christ deeply enough. Well, yeah, because you showed me the little bit in the Book of Concord. This is not a small book, my friends. Mm -hmm. And we're talking like two inches, maybe? Yeah, in in the index. I mean, it's so little. So little. Yeah. I had many questions, but I had to wait to the podcast to ask them. (laughs) So here we go. Yeah. It's a really fascinating idea to me because our culture wants hell to exist so much. One, we like to condemn other people to it, for sure. Oh, yes. And it's a great way. It's kind of like the boogeyman in the night to scare your kids into behavior. Mm -hmm. But when we start digging into the theology and when we start digging into the biblical narrative and when we start looking at it, it doesn't hold water. In fact, I'll take that metaphor and run. The baptismal water washes it away fully and completely. That is fascinating. And that idea gets met with a ton of cultural resistance. Huh. A ton of it. So I do not believe in hell as a place that God assigns people to go to based upon their actions within life. I don't believe that concept. I think that that is heretical. Well, I was asking specifically about Martin Luther because knowing the way the Catholic Church was set up with the whole buying Mm -hmm. your way out of purgatory, which is a whole nother thing I'm pretty sure is not actually in the scriptures. Correct. I was curious where Martin Luther decided to go with that. And the fact of the matter is he didn't see the need to do anything with it because it's not really anything that was scripture based to begin with. Yeah. Justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Kind of is a big blanket. It's a big blanket. And if we're justified by grace through the acts of Christ, then what are we saying? That the act of Christ wasn't big enough to cover that particular sin. So now you're going to burn. Well, and I'm also honestly sitting here replaying that particular part of the creed in my head, having memorized it as a Catholic, as a kid. Yep. Never even crossed my mind what it actually meant in terms of... Well, of course, he destroyed hell, so what are we all worried about? Yeah. That is amazing. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? It really is. Okay, so we've skirted around the issue in terms of Catholics and Lutherans Uh and Jews, for that matter, the Jewish faith. Uh In your studies, have you come across any other religions? Do they all have some component to this, or is this just another concept that is North American Christian? Well, I and I should be careful in saying that it's probably not just North American Christian, given that it comes out of the Middle Ages in Europe. Those are some lasting but reaches. Right now, it's very strong in North American Christianity. We can say that the power of hell has a ton of pull, and the threat of hell has a ton of pull within our culture. I don't know. Okay. I would be fascinated to hear from those who practice other faiths. I would guess that In Buddhism, as a philosophy, there's not a sense of a place of punishment as you're aiming towards oneness. I would wonder about the Sikh or the Baha'i community and how they encounter this idea of rapture or punishment, of good or bad, or if they kind of break it like that. Yeah, Um, if for no other reason, then it tends to be such a balancing factor for the good, the bad, the mm -hmm. up, the down, the heaven, the hell. Right. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. It would be interesting to look and see how that plays out. And I think it would also be really fascinating if anyone ever wanted to, to research when did this become such a stronghold in North American Christianity that 
it leads us to such extreme measures. We can take a look at the rapture and see where it came from 150 years ago or less and know where that kind of theology came out of and know where the history came out of. But like, when did that start to kick in Mm -hmm. within the history of Christendom? In the same way we see major shifts happen when Constantine makes it legal in 300, what are the other places of the shifting around the concept of hell Mm -hmm. and condemnation? It'd be a fascinating research line, one I don't have time for. Someone can take that up. (laughs) Certainly. Okay, well, I am going to ask my last question now. Mm -hmm. You've skirted the issue on this as well. Do you believe in hell? I do not believe in a place that we are condemned to go to because of our actions. Okay. I don't believe that that is what hell is. I do believe in a hell. And I did not, for the majority of my lifetime, believe in it. Because I did not think that a God of love and a God of grace would allow there to be a place of such... Suffering? Suffer aloneness Mm. and pain. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can come to understand it, because I do believe that it is possible to choose hell. And this goes back to my reliance upon my understanding of free will. Okay. And that at the end of the day, God wants genuine relationship from us. And that that is all God has ever wanted is genuine relationship. And so to be able to have genuine relationship means you have to have free will, which means you have to be able to choose to say no to God. And so I came to an understanding about eight years ago in my life that it is possible for a human being when confronted with nothing but love and nothing but care and nothing but hope for their wellness and wholeness and best life, it is still possible for that human being to say no and to choose to isolate and to choose to be in that darkness and that bitterness and that place where they will take advantage of and harm other people. I believe that that is hell. It is so against everything that God wants for and longs for individuals and for what God has created I believe that separation from the intent of God's peace and God's love is hell. And I believe it's something that we experience now in this mortal life. And I believe that it is possible, even on the other side, that there could be a place and a way that a person, a spirit, a soul, a being could say no to God's love. Do I think that God would ever stop trying to get through to that person? or ever say no the moment that person would turn and seek to accept that love, I think God will always be there and will always be reaching out. And in my head, that image is of God holding the space for this person to just choose not to accept it. That to me is hell. Hmm. And it is lived in this earth. It is experienced and it is chosen. And so that I do believe in. And when I talk about or when I think about what is sin, it is those things that lead us to that place. That's fascinating. To not believe in God's love for us, to not believe in God's capacity to provide for us, to not believe that the divine wants all beautiful things for 
all of God's creation. Sin is that missing the mark and missing the point and choosing to go against that. And so that's how I understand it, but I don't believe it as a punishment place. Mm -hmm. My God of grace and love is never going to assign someone to punishment like that. Mm -hmm. Someone might choose it. And that's free will. And that is free will. And that is tragic. And that is heartbreaking. And it absolutely crushed a little piece of my optimistic spirit to come to a place in my life where I knew someone intimately enough to say that person is in hell and will make every person around them be in hell. And that is their existence and will be their existence and possibly will be their existence forever. And that is tragic and not someone that I will spend time with. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about hell. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you have thoughts or comments or questions or any ideas or just want to bounce some thoughts about hell off of us, you can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you also in the form of a review on iTunes. It would be great to hear if this podcast is useful for you. So you can check that out on iTunes. And of course, you can always find us at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.